as a creative writer myself, I find it very refreshing that you, you know, going back to this, that you were just like, no, I'm not going to change my story. You can keep your money. I know. I mean, that was, a, that was, a, I mean, that was a moment of what the hell are you doing? Like I was outside myself. Like, what? <laughs> like, you know, I couldn't believe I did that, but it, it worked out. Um, oftentimes it does not. And <laughs> <laughs> things, you know, just, it, it was, a, it was a really big gamble, but this meant everything to me, this story. Hi, welcome back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Mary is my guest co-host. Hi, Mary. Hello, everyone. So we might sound a little different because this is our first ever live podcast of the Literary Arts Podcast, the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. <laughs> Yes, those are actual people. <laughs> so I'm so happy that Mary is guest co-hosting. We are here at the lovely Pen and Brush Art Gallery in Chelsea, Manhattan. And we are joined with such an exciting guest for the Halloween season. Her name is Tanya Hurley. So I'm going to have Mary begin introducing Tanya, and then I'll dig right into why we're here today with you, Tanya. So here's Mary. All right, so for those of you who don't know who Tanya is, Tanya is a New York Times best-selling author who was nominated for the prestigious Rockefeller Foundation Award in film and made the semifinals of the Sundance Institute Writers Lab. She studied writing, music, and filmmaking at the University of Pittsburgh, screenwriting at New York University, and stop motion animation at the School of Visual Arts in New York City. Now, Andrew, can you explain to our lovely listeners why we're here today? I would be delighted, Mary. So we are here today for the Halloween season. We have, if you're watching our film version, we have the lovely Ghost Girl series. So Tanya's Ghost Girl series is a New York Times bestselling series the first novel, Ghost Girl, was released in 2008. Her sequel, Ghost Girl Homecoming, was released in 2009. Both have become international bestsellers. They are available in over 22 languages. Yes, 22 around the world. So congratulations, Tanya. Yes. And her third book in the series is called Ghost Girl Lovesick, which was released in July 2010. And now we have to hear from you, Tanya. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, so right away, we are a literary arts podcast. So Mary and I thought, okay, Tanya, we need to know. There is so many literary illusions you have in your first novel, Ghost Girl. You have Hawthorne Paul with Nathaniel Hawthorne. You have Edgar Allan Poe quotes. Uh, you have um, just so much poetry that even opens up. I remember there's a moment with Annabelle Lee with Poe. So what was it about the 19th century um, and even opening up with Oscar Wilde and his quote from the picture of Dorian Gray? Why the 19th century in Gothic literature? Well, I mean, this is kind of like a Gothic horror romance. Um, and so I, it just fit with it. And also it's what I grew up reading. Um, I related to those specific authors and 
um, their sensibility and they, they write with such passion and desperation. Um, and it really fits the high school kind of theme because, you know, teenagers are very dramatic. It's like, if he doesn't call me, I'll die. Or if he don't, you know, it's, it's life or death all the time, no matter what. So um, that's the kind of aesthetic. My, my nephew, Oscar, would call it uh, dark core. <laughs> but these books are. I was just going to say to any of you listeners out there thinking, I wasn't dramatic as a teenager. You're lying. We know you're lying. <laughs> we were teenagers. <laughs> long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I know too. So a little spoiler, but if you read Ghost Girl, uh, you get the death scene right away. So I don't think it's a spoiler when you have a hit series called Ghost Girl. Yeah. Like <laughs> some life and death interplay. So I love, Mary has been reenacting. We have some gummy bears here at the party and she's been trying to reenact Charlotte's uh, gummy bear death scene. I'm excited for this. Yeah, well, I think she's still alive. She's, she's alive? alive? I don't know, maybe at the bonus, you should have her reenact so you can judge you subscribe to the, yeah, to the podcast, podcast. <laughs> um, you get to see that. Yeah, you can watch Mary Reenact with Bessie. So like, where did the just origin of Ghost Girl come from? Like, I really want to play with life and death and that liminal in-between space. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was just thinking, I was in my chair in my living room and I was thinking like, you know, what if, what if, what is death? What I think about this every day, and which is another reason why I like the authors that you just mentioned. But um, what what if you know a girl died and still tried to have that yearning inside of her that didn't die, like the wanting to fit in, the wanting love, the you know that wanting that desire as a teen, and and everything's so strong when you're a teen. So I thought, what if that died with that that went that stayed alive that part. And that's really what it all, you know, came down to. And, and you know, being a ghost, we all, some, most of us feel like ghosts in high school. We feel invisible. We want to be seen. And that's, that's what this is about. It's about feeling invisible and not fitting in and really having that desire to. Yeah. What's interesting, like, about that, obviously, we have this high school student, and it's obviously hard to think about a young person dying, but I feel like the way that you tell this story puts mm -hmm. sort of positive spin on it. It was <laughs> sort of positive. Well, when I wrote it, there was, there was some backlash about, uh, you know, that I was advocating suicide or something, and, and, and it wasn't. I mean, my character, Charlotte, she's a choker. She's a choker in life. She doesn't... <laughs> She doesn't go for what she wants. And so that's why she chokes. And I picked a little gummy bear because I was like, what is the cutest little piece of candy that I can make a murder? <laughs> you know, ruin the whole reputation of the candy. So a lot of the conversations between Andrew and I have been, what did the gummy bear do to Tanya that had to make it's it be <laughs> There are no black gummy bears, no dog gummy bears. That is true. Now, did it feel like voyeuristic at all writing mm -hmm. these scenes where Charlotte's like walking amongst her classmates as a ghost? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the whole idea of, you know, 
that you can kind of be a fly on the wall and see what these popular kids are really doing and what they're really thinking. And Petula, the most popular girl at school, has her insecurities and she suffers in her own way in, through high school. And I just wanted to show those different POVs. Um, and I thought, you know, what better way than have her, you know, be a ghost to to listen in on these things. And, you know, it's both a blessing and a curse, mm. you know, to kind of be that voyeur. If you can't be part of it, you're still longing to be part of it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I think to follow up with what Mary and you are reflecting on, that's something that fascinated me is your first book came out in 2009 right eight, eight sorry 2008 yeah so that's what more than 10 years ago mm -hmm. like we're almost going on to 15 yeah and there's themes that you dig into that are so interesting because it takes place in a high school but there's themes of not belonging like you said the bullying there's also like the blossoming of love of pubescence and adolescents and all these existential questions that Charlotte goes through. So I kind of wondered, how did you balance this very mature topic and those high school themes with your audience, who I'm assuming is mostly high schoolers, even middle schoolers, and that young adult audience? Yeah, I, I mean, I think those are just universal themes. I think kids, adults, I mean, you don't grow out of that wanting to make your mark wanting to be seen wanting to succeed you know as an adult wanting to find love i mean you're starting in in you know middle school high school to really kind of dip your toe in the water you know the love river um that's trademarked by the way <laughs> yeah no one no other out there is doing that yeah or yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so so yeah, I don't think you'd ever grow out of those. I really don't. So it's this book is for kids as well as adults. Yeah. 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 And I do love again, like this whole like you have these high school students where they're at a point in their life where they are starting to understand the world around them in a different way that they have never realized in before. And to put something so intense as death intermixed with it, I think is just so important. Because again, it is, I mean, how many adults out there are like terrified of dying? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's my MO. Almost every. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why I write every single book in my Blessed series, the Ghost Girl series, mm. is about, it's about death. Um, and, 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 these books really took off in Mexico because of their idea of death. Oh. Um, and it's so different from ours. And, and when I was shopping this here, I'm taking it around to different, it was, it was a feature film script first that I wrote and uh, Robert De Niro's company, Tribeca, optioned it. And um, Bob Weinstein, who, the Weinsteins, <laughs> um, Bob, the brother of the perpetrator. Um, <laughs> He said, oh, I love this script. I love it. You know, this is great. This is, the tone is perfect, everything. But, you know, I have one small change. And I was like, okay, you know, what's that? I'll change it. And he was like, she can't die. Oh. And I was like, okay, well, she dies at the beginning of the book. And that's the whole point of the book. So I don't know what you love about it, but that's the story. So, yeah. Well, what did he, did he reveal 
how he would have seen that on it. Yeah, then this, oh. make this small change and I'll, I'll take it. And I, and that's I, not a small I, change. Yeah, you know, and I, I was so like desperate at that time and poor in New York City. And I was like, I'm not going to take the money. I'm not going to change the story. And so I never written a book before. And I said, you know, I'm going to try to do this the way I want to do it. And yeah, well, no offense. Ten years later. <laughs> no offense to, you know, Mr. De Niro, but I'm glad that you held your conviction. Yeah, no, no, De Niro was all on board with the death. It was, yeah. Oh, 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 okay, okay. Well, so sorry. Mr. De Niro, you're okay. Bob's okay. <laughs> he's good, yeah. Yeah, he's good. Well, and I was curious because if you don't know, Tanya's, the audiobooks are so... Cinematic in a way that you have Parker Posey narrating, and it's just so beautifully done. There is music that was made for Ghost Girl for the audiobook, which never happens. Yeah. And all yeah. of these pauses of just instrumental, handcrafted music, yeah. compositions. So, how did Parker Posey get involved? Was it because of the film option? Like, yeah. was Parker considered? No, I, uh, well, I've always been a fan of hers, um, and we became very good friends after the um, audio book, I, you know, she's like my sister, um, and I just thought her voice and tone were perfect to capture, you know, this character, and I was like, oh, what, what if, you know, I just, I want someone that can really do this, mm. and I'm a very cinematic person, I studied film in the Ghost Girl book trailers. I don't know if you've seen them, but they're stop motion and they're um, Entertainment Weekly premiered them. They're, you know, I really kind of enjoy every aspect of this whole industry. Um, and Vince Clark is my uh, brother in law and he did the music. So very lucky. Well, please yeah. tell Vince it is so beautifully <laughs> Is there, well, can we be so bold? Because I'm sure it's on Mary's mind too. Has there been any more buzz about Ghost Girl being option or? Yeah, I mean it's it's currently option now. Um, oh great! Um, and I'm rewriting. Congratulations! The script. Thank you. I'm rewriting the script now. I have two, a two week deadline, so. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's going to be ninety four. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That is so intense. I also just want to say, from like as a creative writer myself, I find it very refreshing that you you know going back to this that you were just like no i'm not gonna change my story you can keep your money i know i mean that was a, that was a, i mean that was a moment of what the hell are you doing like i was outside myself like what? <laughs> like you know i couldn't believe i did that but it it worked out um oftentimes it does not and <laughs> <laughs> things you know just it, it was a, it was a really big gamble, but this meant everything to me. This story. There are things I compromise on every day. I would not compromise on this. Yeah. And I think that's just important for any writer, creative out there, mm -hmm. to know that, like, when you have your passion project, mm -hmm. do not let anyone tell you that you have to change it to conform to them. Yeah, no one's going to believe in it unless you believe in it yourself, um, and that's the first step: believing in it, because then you can. You, you know, you can sway people to also believe. Yeah. To quote Chloe Kardashian, someone says, no, you're asking the wrong person. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is a literary podcast. I've proven that. 
The great Chloe Kardashian. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we might have some divided opinions out there, but you'll have to listen to our pop culture episode where we really dig into hot button issues. <laughs> but um, something that I just love, like what Mary said, your conviction, but also since it has this lasting series, how do audiences now reflect on first encountering your series, especially, I mean, 2008, I'm hearing Parker Reed themes such as LGBTQ issues. And I'm like, wait, this is in 2022. Like I had to keep reminding myself that Ghost Girl wasn't, had just come out. So yeah. you were ahead of the curve, definitely, with the themes that you dug into. So I want to thank you for that, Tanya. And like, how have your early readers responded now since they might not be my age, which is 30. I well, well, you know, I, I was very lucky to have some um I, I toured Spain, I toured Mexico, I toured Colombia, I toured, you know, here a lot. And um to meet these kids that kind of felt like they were seen for the first mm -hmm. time reading the books and relating to the characters that they related to and um and they felt seen. And that was the whole point of me writing this because um that was my hope that someone but I, I get a lot of letters about you know kids were suicidal or kids were you know um couldn't come out and couldn't be themselves um and and I cry uh because they're very moving and um I didn't expect them to you know land that way <laughs> uh, but it, it's really um, something and now i mean they the these the readers their kids are like with ghost girl t-shirts and stuff i mean their kids are now picking up the books and, and relating to them and that's um that's something i think yeah definitely mm -hmm. so going back to the fact that this book came out in 2008 and not today and how progressive it is i will say there is there's one moment there's one mm -hmm. song Yes. That totally puts this book in 2008, and that is the incredible <laughs> Evanescence. Yes. <laughs> which I loved. And, like, how did you specifically process, like, the lyrics from that song and decided to put that that needed to be in yeah. this book? Oh, what's the song? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. It's Bring Me to Life. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, I mean, it's just it just summed up kind of what the book was about and um my husband is a music supervisor michael pagnata and he went to these different um bands and got permission um which was a whole big extra step that you yeah. don't take with books really your publishers don't want you to take um and so um yeah i mean a amy lee is uh she she was perfect <laughs> for this her sensibilities uh yeah, it's a very ghost girl, I think. Yeah, well, and if we may, just a little snippet. This is the section in Ghost Girl from Bring Me to Life. It's, how can you see into my eyes like open doors, leading you down into my core where I've become so numb, without a soul, my spirit sleeping somewhere cold. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. when I heard Parker read that, and well, Parker is the character of Charlotte, you know, she's acting. Uh, but it is really moving to hear it away from the music. I mean, the music yeah, is moving, it's but poetry. it's different. It is poetry. She's a poet. And Amy Lee's a poet, and 
um, a, a lot of the lyrics that I picked do read as poetry, and they're things that kept me going through high school. Um, the Cure and Depeche Mode and people I've worked with, um, they gave me their lyrics for free, thank God, because they wouldn't be in the book. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, these are things that out of context, out of music context, really hit home, and they really do. So, I thought it'd be interesting to put them in as, you know, next to Poe, Robert Smith's lyrics next to Edgar Allan Poe. I think they stand up. Well, that's what I was going to say, Tanya, is like without knowing that it's bringing me to life, like knowing the year the song came out, like Mary said, we have a really, with the music, have that um, timestamp. But when you're having it with Poe or with Hawthorne or like, um, reflecting on the lyrics that way, it kind of is out of time. And I thought that that is a quality though throughout your whole book is it's kind of hard to even place Ghost Girls chronological period. Like it's not like, oh, this is 2008 yeah. and I know because of X, Y, Z. That's nice for you to say. I appreciate that. I, I set out to write a timeless book and um, that's why I use lyrics and, you know, poems from throughout time instead of just one kind of period so and it, and it's turned a lot of kids on to Poe and mm -hmm. to um and and that was like oh that was a dream of mine if I could get a kid to pick up you know what some of these authors or even in music um there's a lot a lot of pure fans now and mm -hmm. um that meant a lot to me because so, I love music and I love literature yeah okay. I want to get into your character creation yes. a little bit. Mm -hmm. Who was the most fun for you to create? And who, when you were writing this, just were like, why did I even create this character? <laughs> I hate them now. Why do I include them? Yeah. Um... Hi, it's Mary from True Crime and Academia. If you're like me, you love personalized merch and you love shopping local. So here is one of my favorite local vendors to buy from. It's Mandy Made It. That's M-A-N-D-E-E -E, Made It. My friend Mandy makes the most incredible personalized crochet goods and decor for your home. Spooky season is coming up. She has some of the coolest Halloween designs. So go follow her on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Mandy Made It. Again, that's M-A-N-D-E-E -E, Made It. And place your order with her today. And now a message from the Gay and Lesbian Review. Hello, listeners. This is Stephen Hemrick, the publisher of the GNLR, here with a special offer just for you. For those of you who aren't familiar with the GNLR, let me provide a little background. The GLR is a bi-monthly magazine of history, culture, and politics that publishes essays in a wide range of disciplines, as well as a slew of reviews of books, plays, and movies, and a number of special features such as artists' profiles and the popular art memo column. Each issue brings you consistently intelligent, lively, thought-provoking articles focused on a unifying theme and brings together the leading minds on the topic. 
You won't find a lot about the latest dating fads or fashion trends, though you might find articles about online dating as a social phenomenon or the gay influence on 20th century fashion. For example, the theme of the current issue is Queens and Kings, and it features an article by Andrew Holleran about Truman Capote's relationships with glamorous women, the women he called his swans. Now for the special offer. When you subscribe, you'll receive a free copy with any print or digital subscription. That's seven issues instead of six. Visit georeview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W dot O-R-G. Click subscribe and enter promo code I-T-B-R for your free issue. And as an added bonus, you'll receive online access to all archive issues of the magazine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I created Charlotte and Scarlet because I feel, feel like um, those are the two halves of me. Um, I was like in a punk band in high school and I, you know, had a mohawk and I, I was a drummer and I wore combat boots and my hair was purple. And But then I didn't feel seen, you know, at the same time, I didn't feel like I fit in. I felt, even though I had tons of friends and, um, you know, it was always my social calendar was more important than my studies. Um, I didn't feel like no, I didn't feel understood. And, um, and that's probably, those are probably my two favorite characters. I love Piccolo Pam. Um, I just think she's, I, I just, yeah, I love her. In this, in this movie script, I'm just leaving her as is because I just, <laughs> she's probably my favorite. Um, she's creepy and I just love her when she breathes the piccolo sound comes, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the Wendy's were most fun because they're just so dumb. You know, yeah. I think they just have a lot of fun with them. And I took, you know, my experience in high school, girls that were like that and thought that they were the shit and were not. <laughs> and they looked like idiots, you know. Um, especially after high school looking back, they they look like idiots. Um, so yeah, that those were the most fun, I think, for Wendy's. And Prue was probably the one that I was like, oh god. She's yeah, she's cool. <laughs> now Piccolo Pam, she I really enjoyed her because she also, even though she's very like as a matter of fact with her delivery of things, there's something about her that's extremely empathetic to Charlotte and Charlotte's situation. Like yeah. specifically after like Charlotte dies and she's watching this memorial about to happen, kids are getting on buses to go to it. And, you know, she's freaking out and, you know, just very like, are you done now? Mm -hmm. yeah. And then once Charlotte's like, no, she's like, all right take your time it's like like that yeah. moment stopped me for a second because yeah. you know cool I need a way yeah I'm gonna give me space yeah yeah I'm gonna give you your space there um she she is based on my best friend in high school and still to this day um my friend Deborah 
she's gives the tough love and she doesn't you know i want her to like oh, no help me you know and, and get involved in all my drama but she won't um <laughs> he's like stop it <laughs> you're an adult you're a parent um so yeah i mean she's pickle can is kind of on that way she's someone you want with you on your journey you know she's not gonna bullshit you and she's she's smart and she's also yes empathetic some extent um but she yeah she's who i would want as a guide oh good i wouldn't marry about cursing but it's actually tanya who curse oh my god oh, you're allowed to curse i'm just like we have to be careful mary we have to make a good impression for tanya so i'm glad we can now open up i don't know we curse on this podcast now let the expletives fly children i'm just kidding i'm kidding but um you know i think that actually kind of this humorous moment brings me into what i love when i talk to young adult literature middle grade writers is if you saw like did you always know ghost girl was going to be something more for young adults or did you see it as also an adult fiction series like how that would have differed yeah um like i said i mean there are universal things that could have been adult um and i have a lot of adult readers um but i think we all are traumatized by high school to some extent and suffer from ptsd um but i i yeah i just it, it was always like a high school environment for me because i think a lot of us are you know traumatized like i said yeah. and um it's the worst of times it's the best of times high school really and and, and people saying this these are the best years of your life and everything else no no they are no. liars yeah <laughs> that's right lie um so yeah for me middle school years were the ones that oh those yeah. were growing pains yeah yeah um, but right and then you find your authentic voice but that was how it was for me in high school I found okay this is who Andrew Rimby is and I'm going to be my literary passion itself and then like looking back now yeah. like I came out when I was 15 and now I'm 30 so it's been half of my life and so that's why it really resonated with me like how LGBTQ themes feature in your series, just mm -hmm. how much that me meant for a high schooler reading your series, you know, who yeah. was coming out, like yeah. seeing myself in that journey. So that's why you've done so much work to empower young adults, right? Yeah, and, that's very kind of you to say. I appreciate that so much. Well, it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's all true. Um, well, I think as we're, you know, Winding down on Ghost Girl, um, I'm just curious, how has the series, how has it made you reflect on the process of death, of coming to terms? I know it's a big yeah, question. That's a good one. Um, I think just writing about it was cathartic for me. Um, I write about it in every single book I have, you know, I, I write. Um, death is, you know, part of life. We're all going to experience it. We don't know what happens. We don't. We can believe that we do, but we do not. And um, it's just the for the imagination, it's just a vast landscape of anything can happen. Anything can be true. Anything goes. And um, that's probably why I also choose it as a topic a lot. 
Um, and I'm just, I, I've been obsessed with it since I was a little kid. I, I just have, I just the whole kind of nowadays, there's a whole movement towards death positivity. And I'm writing a book now called Miss Morning that deals with that. Um, but when I was young, it was, it was terrifying. It was taboo to talk about it. You couldn't, you know, it was just, it was a terrifying thing. Like, you know, they got bit by a zombie and, you know, you can't touch them. You can't go around them. You can't, you know, they're just, don't talk about them. Don't do anything. So um, that's another reason why I wanted to write about it. I wanted to open up the topic to kids, teens, talk about it. You know, we all experience it. Why can't we have an open forum and discuss it? You know, it takes the fear away. If most of the fear, if you, if, if you're open about it, it is a part of life. Mm -hmm. It's happening to all of us. Spoiler alert, we all have <laughs> that's, that's the part we're going to have to censor out, is that? Not the person, but, you know. And I'm just curious, has the, right, I think so much, we're now, especially with Halloween, I was even saying to Dawn, shout out to Dawn, who's actually in the audience, the director of Man Crush. Um, so, you know, usually I'm saying that on a Zoom screen, but she's actually here. Um, <laughs> So I was saying to Dawn and to Mary, like the pandemic, even with Halloween activities, I'm like, wait, we're back. Like it's been so long to actually celebrate in person. And there's so much processing that has to happen, I think, with all of us, with communicating with people. Yeah, we have to relearn all our stuff. Exactly, relearning. And we're like, oh, that's what that felt like, that experience. Like these are pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not in her pajamas. Um, but you know, how has Ghost Girl even taken on different intonations and meanings because of the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, we—it's like it, the pandemic was so isolating, and we all felt alone. And so, how do you how do you get noticed, and how do you connect with people on a computer screen? And we did learn how to do that to some extent. I mean, we did, but. You know, it was difficult. It was hard. And I think that's also, you know, a relatable topic for the book. I mean, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so I don't know, Mary, is there anything jumping out at you right away? Or should we start to turn? Yes, go. Yeah. It's one little thing. It might be a spoiler, but there is a scene. So it's literally right after Charlotte chose to death and she's called down to 1313 and immediately as I'm reading it all I'm seeing is the scene in Beetlejuice where they have to go yeah <laughs> was that so any part of like inspiration there or yeah I just um took that kind of idea and made it teen friendly and her whole death scene was based on you know Stevie Smith um not waving but drowning kind of thing where her hand is there and Damon's like thinking that she's waving and she's dying and um yeah <laughs> it, it, it was yeah I'm a Tim, huge Tim Burton fan I mean I, I studied stop motion and um I'm a goth, goth I literally person. let out a little chuckle because I was like that was all I could see <laughs> was yeah, yeah. Beauty yeah 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 <laughs> with the clipboard yeah yeah, yeah. Like, it's not like leave yeah. me alone yeah Miss Argentina yeah yes, yes. <laughs> queen yeah yeah I mean I have to I think we only have a few months to see the Broadway musical 
Uh, if anyone wants to see me, don't use it. And I want to see my daughters and they'll make me go. Really? Okay, well, good for your daughter because I heard it's such a fun time. I need to take my parents. Yeah, my like, mom is obsessed. Yeah. But I'll take mom. I'll take you, Kathy. Okay. Well, um, so I'm, you know, you said you were at work. I know you've been at work on a lot of other books, another series. So can you open up a little more about, you know, maybe what happened after Ghost Girl? Like, did Ghost Girl's themes lead to your next series, which yes, yeah. yeah. Um, oddly enough, it did. I was um, on on book tour, and I, 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 I like to visit churches. I love the architecture. I love the gothicness of church. I love the iconography, um, the art, and um, it just got me to thinking about martyrs. And um, so my my trilogy with Blessed is or or about three you know, martyrs and how people talk about martyrs as these passive kind of figures that are so devoted and so, you know, um, but I said, you know, how badass is a martyr for like dying for what they believe in, yeah. no matter what it is. I mean, so I was like, I'm taking these three, Cecilia, Agnes and, and Lucy, and I'm taking them into Brooklyn and they're going to be badass. And, <laughs> and so that's what I did, that's a lesson. And that's what Brooklyn is yeah. for. It's for that like counterculture badass type of attitude. Quentin Tarantino wrote the Bible. Wrote Martyrs to Break. Yeah. If Quentin Tarantino wrote the Bible, I definitely would have read it. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I think you should pitch that to Quentin Tarantino right. to like direct right. like the Old Testament. I would love that. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening. Um, so if it's okay with you, Tanya, I'd like to take some questions from the audience. Okay. Um, so if anyone has a question, you can come up. Well, actually, I, we can walk yeah. up to you with the mic. Okay. something that I know I was Mary and I were going to bring up which is you were what for the Olsen twins well I, I did I created all their video games and their content and their tv show and shows and were you in charge of double double toil and trouble yeah, I wasn't in charge of it uh, oh yeah <laughs> double, double, that was like my favorite with that witch and oh that movie is so queer nostalgic I loved that <laughs> They're, movie yeah, they're great. and like what was when they had the slumber party and they put everything on a pizza <laughs> this is like real yeah yes yes right yes and then they have like the 
the maze they went through or yeah. a labyrinth. Yeah. Working with them, I enjoyed is empowering girls and and having you feel like they could these two girls, they were real. They weren't Mickey Mouse, they weren't characters, they were real girls that you would want at your slumber party. And so that's why I wrote the their logo, real books for real girls, real fashion for real girls. Um, because they're 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 like your best friend. You want you want twin best best friends, you know. And I'm a twin. So. <laughs> oh. Any other questions? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, it's Dawn Bellatap from the Penumbrush. I don't know if it's a question, but I couldn't help but um, think of Louisa May Alcott and Little Women. You were talking about your experience with mm -hmm. um, the Weinstein brother, mm -hmm. okay. you know, and that moment that we hear about this so much, like the woman who stood up for her story, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it, it's like, you know, having read Ghost Girl and that existential truth that powers the whole damn thing mm -hmm. and here we have a man who is asking you yeah. to trade it up yeah. and you did not yes. you know just like those moments um that we see so well in the uh Greta Garwig recent mm -hmm. uh, right. version of Little Women yeah where she's like I, I believe I've loved on my own book right and, exactly. and I would not like to sell the woman's marriage and changing their right. name yeah so I just kind of um not, not to bash Mary's Kardashian reference, but <laughs> to my mind, or maybe it's about lots of things But Louisa May Elfon, you know, like that power of a woman saying, mm -hmm. no, this is my voice, this is my story, yeah. and you're not going to change it, mm -hmm. kind of came to my mind that you share that in common with me. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I I was like, oh, what did I just do when I walked yeah. out of there? Like, you're just like devastated. I could have had a film maybe, and mm. you know, and then I could just go back to obscurity, and no one would know the story. And but it wasn't the story I wanted to tell. So. And that's yeah. the thing, like like one wonders how many women cave. Yeah, story yeah. He lost yet again. That's exactly right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Really. Do we have any Tanya's family who wants to ask questions? <laughs> especially, <laughs> especially, I'm just curious, like, as a family member, how the series is. There you go. Hi, I'm Tom Michael. I think Tanya knows me. <laughs> I should know the answer to this question, but I, I actually I don't. So I'm curious to see what you'll say. We were saying that death is a very serious topic, and that's really what folks wrote about, right? Mm -hmm. Dying in the afterlife, mm -hmm. and it's also a romance because people looking for love, but there's also a lot of humor in it. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I I remember you were talking to me about it as you were even writing it, mm -hmm. how important it was that it kind of leavened the darker moments, not just because it was going to be read by younger kids. I just was wondering from your point of view, how important is humor in the entire book? Great question. Uh, I was like giving you the eye, like, don't ask me something I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just, uh, uh, dark humor is to me like the end all be all. I'm, I'm a huge Heather's fan, I'm a huge, you know, Beetlejuice fan, and uh, all that stuff. John Hughes films are, you know, what I grew up on, and um, and I, I. Yeah, a lot of my friends, like Parker is a comedic actress, a lot of my friends are, you know, comedians. And um, 
I just, yeah, I just, humor was a very important part, not just because I wanted to lighten, you know, the load, but it, humor helps. It's like the medicine that helps, yeah. you know, it's like, it, it's a sugar, spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down. Yeah. And if everyone kind of, you know, sees a little humor in situations, it kind of can save you sometimes. Very, very, that resonates mm -hmm. deeply, Tanya. Well, and if there are no more audience, oh, there's an audience question. Okay. Yeah, this is what I love about the live, like in person podcast. Here we I think we can go. Thank you. Oh, 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 Tanya's, that's your daughter, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Tanya's daughter. Izzy. The Halloween queen. Um, which one of your characters? Um, had the most PTSD. Oh, <laughs> whoa. Uh, wow. My kid is very into psychological issues. Um, um, I don't know. I mean, probably Charlotte, the main character. She, um, no, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe. But I would think Charlotte because she died so at school and everything was going so well for her the first day of school and she was feeling good and ready to conquer the school year in a different way and had confidence and then it all just yeah. went in a big way yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks Kim well I so I know Mary and I we're like we want this out as a film knowing you're on a deadline which well, when this episode comes out, I think it has been submitted. So let's all, you know, send good energy, you yeah, know, spooky, ghoulish energy yeah. to Ghost Girl. Um, can't wait to see who gets chosen as Charlotte. That'll be an interesting choice. I'm excited. Do you have any? But I, I don't. I'm... I don't know if I should. <laughs> well, it's yours. Well, it's your, yeah, it's your decision. Yeah, share it with all of us. Yeah. Um, I think yes. Olivia Rodrigo would probably Ooh. write some songs and be a good Charlotte. Yeah, if it happens soon enough, she's nineteen, I think. So, yeah. Oh yeah, that can work. Yeah, you could go into your twenties for high school. I mean, look at the grease. I mean, and I would also really love, um, aside from Olivia's, to have, um, you know, a a, a Mexican um, actress uh, Latina because they they really did embrace this book and it became what it was because of them. And I really love touring Mexico every chance I get. And I love meeting my readers down there and they're so creative and so talented and, and so enthusiastic that I, I would love to represent them in, in Charlotte. Yeah. Well, thank you to Tanya. Thank you, Mary, for guest co-hosting. And well, and if you don't know, Mary also hosts True Crime and Academia, which is, you know, has the spooky, well, spooky, but, uh, you know, real stories, which makes it haunting in a different register than fiction. But, you know, thank you, Tanya, for doing this in-person live podcast. Thank you. Yes, this has been wonderful. This is exactly what I think. Well, you know, thank you for receiving the questions and thank you to our audience. You all have been wonderful. It's great to see faces. Um, you know, and everyone out there, please get your hands or your ears on uh, Ghost Girl. 
Um, as we said, Parker Posey, who Tanya knows, um, just does such a wonderful job. It is beautiful to listen to Ghost Girl. Um, so yeah, thank you, thank Tanya. You so much. And hopefully, happy yes, happy Halloween. Well, happy, you know. Happy Halloween next year. Yeah, happy Halloween next year. I like that. Okay, well, thank you, Tanya, and bye to our listeners out there. Thank you. That was very fun. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. Very fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Welcome to the fall season. The Ivory Tower Boiler Room is a public humanities podcast where we interview writers, scholars, performers, and artists. Episodes air on Mondays. I am Andrew Rimby, the executive director. I'm so happy to welcome my team, Mary DePippi, our chief contributor, Kimberly Dallas, our editor, and an amazing fall group of interns. Thank you to this team. Please follow the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on TikTok and Instagram at Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Easy to remember. Our Twitter is at Ivory Boiler Room. And we have a whole new design for our Patreon. It is called the Ivory Tower Boiler Room Cafe because you're joining us and eavesdropping on our conversations that are unedited videos of all of our Ivory Tower Boiler Room episodes as if you're eavesdropping in a cafe overhearing the conversation. Well, talking about overhearing a conversation, hi, Mary. Hello, Andrew, and hello, everyone. I'm Mary DePippi, the host of True Crime in Academia, a podcast, well, a true crime podcast that is focused mainly on the crimes committed by and to those in the field of academia. Episodes air every Tuesday at noon. You can follow True Crime and Academia on Instagram and TikTok at True Crime and Academia and on Twitter at TC in Academia because Twitter hates extra characters, as we all know. And as Andrew alluded to earlier, we have a Patreon and True Crime and Academia has exclusive bonus episodes for subscribers. As a true crime enthusiast, I don't necessarily like to pigeonhole my true crime interests. So over on the Patreon, I cover some of the more high profile cases not related to academia, such as the murder of JonBenet Ramsey and the case of Casey Anthony. So if you want access to videos like that, go over to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room and become a subscriber. Thank you all for joining us. And here's to an amazing fall season. Bye, Bye everyone.